Well, for several weeks here at Pack City, we've been doing a series on leadership and what it means to be a future leader. And today we're going to talk about one of the most shocking and controversial roles that Jesus ever played. And I'd like to begin by talking about power, the idea of power. Now, what is power? Let me define it for you. Power is the ability to influence a person or a situation. The ability to influence a person or a situation. Power can be both situational and recurring. Situational. For instance, I am married, and situationally speaking, every once in a while, my wife listens to my advice. It's not often, but it's rare. And when it happens, I'm very excited because she's right most of the time when I'm wrong, situationally speaking. I, okay, recurring. That's different than situational. Recurring. I like jokes. I've always liked jokes. I like, I like to have fun. I like to laugh with my friends. I like to laugh with you guys. And I have noticed recurringly that I have the ability to make jokes and get the room going. I don't think I've provided any uh, evidence of that this morning, but this gift, generally speaking, recurring, I, it gives me tremendous power because I can be in a real meeting with real humans and I can derail that meeting in less than five seconds. <laughs> that has given me tremendous power and it has exasperated my bosses throughout the years. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a little bit of power? Have you ever had a little bit of power? The truth is, Everybody has power every once in a while. For instance, leadership. Some of you are in leadership positions. You're in management positions at work. And people listen to you at work whether they want to or not. Some of you have power when it comes to money. You've been able to make a few bucks. You've been able to save. Or you uh, are a trust fund kid of some kind, which I'd love to meet you. Uh, <laughs> I've got some big goals. Uh, anyway, so, um, so you have a little bit of power because of your money. Maybe your personality has given you power. You are quite likable. People enjoy being around you. You know how to work a room. You know how to work a room. Or, or maybe consider you have a little power situationally. When we treat a friend or a coworker or a spouse generously and they treat us back ungratefully, and we know that we're owed an apology, and they know it, and we know it, there's a little power right there, isn't there? When you know it's coming. Well, it's coming today. I'm finally going to get that apology. That's power. Um, my wife just shook her head. She's like, it ain't, it ain't coming to you today, son. <laughs> here's the tension. So here's the tension. All of us have a little bit of power, but all of us have seen others abuse their power. We've seen people abuse their influence. We've seen people leverage and misuse their bargaining chip with other people. And it doesn't feel good when somebody does it to us. And it doesn't feel good when we misuse it. It feels weird in your soul when you know you're misusing the power that you have, doesn't it? And sure, in the moment it might feel good. We might be getting back at someone and we might know how. But we know deep down it doesn't pay off in the long run. In fact, when we use our mis misuse our power in our relationships, we may win the battle, but we might lose the war. When we misuse our power with others, we can lose relationships. And here's another thing I know about power. Power is extremely important when we realize that we have it. 
Now, I believe that there's two groups of you who are here this morning. The first group is you would say, yeah, you would admit, I've got a little power. As I have defined power for you, you would say, I've got a little bit. I've got a little, and it may not be a ton, but I've got a little bit. Uh, perhaps you're in the right and they're in the wrong and everybody knows it. Perhaps you've got a few friends, a little influence, a few bucks. Maybe you hold a management position at work. That's the first group. The second group is you might say, you know what, I don't feel like I have any power. I feel powerless. And you would say, as I have defined power, you don't feel like you have any. That's okay. I need you to listen to me. You may not have power now, but eventually you will. At some point, somebody will owe you something, an apology or something. At some point, you will get a promotion. At some point, you will have a little bit more money than you have right now, a little bit more influence and so on. Finally, you'll become a leader. There will come a point eventually where you're right and they're wrong and you'll have a little bit of power one day. And what I'd like to say is that for both groups, whether you feel like you have power or you don't feel like you have any power, I wanna ask you the same question. In the moment when you realize that you have the upper hand in the situation, in the moment when you're the boss, in the moment when you're in charge and when you can win, when you were right all along, what are you going to do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room. At some point in some future, that's your future and my future, you will be in a real room and there will be real humans in that room. And everyone's going to look to you. You're going to have to solve the problem. Whatever the problem is, you're gonna to have to cast vision for the future. You're gonna to have to decide the fate of a situation and what are you going to do in that moment? And it's in this exact moment, and this day will come for you at some point, whether it's as a parent, whether it's as a friend, whether it's as a coworker, it's going to come for you. It's in this exact moment that the Bible gives us precise advice on what we should do. In the final days of Jesus, we read a story about Jesus and his power. Now, let me give you a little background on the story. Jesus and the disciples were traveling around Israel for about three years, and they arrived in Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know what Jerusalem means in this context, Jerusalem was like arriving to the political power center hub of the entire country. It's the equivalent of Washington, D.C., okay? It's the center of political power. And what we know from the story when Jesus arrives, the people in Jerusalem begin to celebrate him as their king. They believe he is the coming Messiah. And he rides down the street on a donkey, and they throw their coats and their jackets and palm branches out, out on the ground, and they're like, he's here. The king is finally here. He's going to free us from the Romans. And they begin to celebrate him. And this is why Christians around the world celebrate Palm Sunday, which we just celebrated a few years back. It was an inauguration thing, and, we were the, and, and, and things were looking good and up for Jesus at this moment. And if there ever was a time that Jesus felt empowered, and if there ever was a time that the disciples felt empowered or full of excitement, it is this time right now. They've walked into the capital city. Everyone's excited that they're there. Everyone's super pumped. And it's, it's an amazing moment. And for three long years, they had been bouncing around the backwoods parts of Israel. 
and they were now finally in the capital city. Things are coming together. It's finally starting to work out, and we're going to establish Jesus as king. And it is with these feelings that you have to keep in mind that we drop into today's story. Because we've heard the story so many times, but it's different because think about the amount of power that's taking place here and what's going on here. And so they sit down in something called the Last Supper. Jesus sits down with these disciples in something called the Last Supper. And this is where we drop into the story. John 13, chapter 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Pause here. The writer John is giving us a little taste of things that were to come. Jesus recognizes that there were forces in motion that were going to lead him to his death in the next 24 hours. Okay? That's what this means. We read on. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Here's the part I want you to read. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Stop for a minute and hang out here. Jesus knew that God, his Father, had put all things under his power. Jesus knew in this moment with his 12 disciples that he was not only the most powerful person in the room, Jesus knew, just read it, Jesus knew that he was the most powerful person in the whole world. Jesus understood that he had authority over the entire world and that he was entitled. You know what entitled means? He was entitled to everything in the world because God the Father had given it to him. So what do you do when you realize that you not only have the most power in the room, but you have the most power ever to be held by one single human in all the universe? The entire world is at your fingertips. What do you do when you realize that you have all the power in all the relationships in the room and all the relationships on the planet? What do you do when you're finally validated by God that you were right, that you've been, always been right, and you have all the power in the world to make others see the world the way they should see it, which is technically the right way? What do you do when you realize that you have maximum power at your fingertips, all the power in the world. You have it all, and you're there, and you're just like receiving lightning from heaven. Not literally, but metaphorically. You are there. You've got it all because you are the Son of God. What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the universe? Here's what we read. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. In the same moment 
Jesus realized that he had all the power in the world. He shows us how to be the ultimate servant. In the same moment that Jesus knew that he had all the leverage, all the authority, he got up from the table and he served the disciples. He did the job that nobody else wanted to do. A little bit more about washing feet. In ancient Israel, this was a sandal-wearing Birkenstock, full-time Birkenstock-wearing culture. And they're like, you got your Birks? Yeah, and they're like, yeah, we don't have Nikes. Uh, what's that movie called? Air? All right, yeah, so there's no Matt Damon to the rescue. You're wearing Birks full-time. And you walked everywhere. So you had human stuff, animal stuff, food stuff. We're calling it stuff because I'm a Christian. And uh, you had all kinds of things, stuff on your feet. And it was a little dusty because it was a desert. So things got a little messy. And so you would have to practice feet washing every single day. And this was a job that was generally reserved for the lowest of the low employees and for servants. It was not for prominent men and women, and it certainly wasn't for someone who was just inaugurated as a king who had just come in. So what we see here, when you understand what feet washing is, what Jesus did was quite extraordinary. Quite extraordinary. But more than that, Jesus was setting the tone for things to come. In the next 24 hours, he would be betrayed. He would be arrested. He would be mocked. He'd be beaten. And then he'd be put up in a sham trial in the middle of the night so no one could watch it. And then he would go far beyond washing the disciples' feet. And he would willingly surrender himself to a Roman torture device known as a cross. And he would die in our place for our sins. Jesus was good. Jesus was powerful. Jesus was entitled to anything and everything because he was the son of God. He was right. He was perfect. He had all the power in the world to change the world any way that he wanted through any set of circumstances. Yet he chose to serve each of us by dying on the cross for us. We read in John 13, chapter, uh, John 13 verses 14, we read, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sends him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let me ask you a personal question. What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? When you're the boss? Don't raise your hand, but are there any bosses in the room? Are you the boss? When you have the power in those relationships, what do you do when you have power in your other relationships? What do you do when you finally get the promotion and everybody's looking at you? What do you do when you realize that you're the financial breadwinner in your marriage? What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? Jesus sets the example for us. Serve those over whom you have an advantage. 
Followers of Jesus always choose to use their power to serve others. We don't manipulate. We don't overpower. We don't bulldoze our way through relationships with other people. Christians, we choose to give away our power to help people who don't have any. That's what Christians do. That's who we are. We are feet-washing people. We do dishes. We serve people we are mad at. We include weird people into our circle of friends. Even though you're entitled to friends who treat you better than they do, you still include them because we are serving them. Because we've been touched by the living God who has served us. Husbands and wives, if you're in the room today, this means that you serve your spouse when things feel unequal, when you feel like you're giving more to the relationship than your spouse is giving to you. Friends, this means that you continue to serve everyone, including the friends that you like and including the friends that you don't like as much. And even though they're difficult people and they're annoying and their problems are annoying and they're trivial and they only talk about themselves, you push through, you wash feet, you serve them. You continue to serve them. At work, this means that you continue to find ways to serve your coworkers, even though they may never do anything for you ever to ever help you. It's what we do. It's what we do because we have a reserve that comes from God, that God has already served us and shown us love. And out of the overflow of what God has done, we can continue to bless people even if we don't get that blessing from others in return. And leaders, if you think of yourself as a leader, which at all, at some time, you will be asked to lead something, not just here, but there will be moments of leadership in your life. This means that you do what Jesus did, I do what Jesus did, and we leverage our influence and our power for people who don't have any. This room has potential. I've seen some of you in action. We can lead. And I'm not just talking here. We can lead in the world. Some of you are going to go on to do amazing things with your life. You will lead. You will have power. You will have influence. I believe that. And as you move forward with your life, you will need to make decisions. And you will be, you will be led to a crossroads. Will you make decisions that serve people and affect the lives and the livelihoods of others in a good way? Or will you serve yourself? When we commit to choosing the path of servanthood, servant leadership as we call it. And when we use our power for the sake of others who don't have any, we will not regret it. In fact, we might even see the world change a little bit. It worked for Jesus, didn't it? Jesus, in the moment that he knew that he had it all, laid it all down to save you and I from destruction. And for many of us in this room right now, when we think about our own lives and the choices that we've made in the past, when we reflect on the things that we've done, both when things we've said, both public and private, Jesus saved our lives by using his power 
for our gain. His death on the cross, strangely enough, was the thing that started the revolution. And in the same way, you preserving and holding on to your power, me preserving and holding on to my that doesn't change the world. There is something about choosing servant leadership that will change everything and everyone around you. I invite you to do that. Let's use our power to serve those who have none, and we will be on the path towards a similar revolution. Why don't we all stand? Um, we're going to sing another song, and then we're going to close our service. And as we are uh, singing the song, uh, we, we give time and opportunity for people to pray and receive prayer. So this time is for you and I to receive the other things that God may have for us. And my call is simple. You are in a position of power right now, or you will be. And I believe that God wants to speak to some of us, and God wants to show you how you can use your power for good and how you can use your power to serve others. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you over the course of the next song to ask God, say, God, will you show me how to use my power? And will you empower me to serve others? Now, if there's something in particular around that that you would like one of us to pray for, we invite you to come to the front area and we will pray for you that God would empower you to serve others in your role or in your position. Also, if there's anything else, if you're not feeling well or if you're feeling ill or, you're, or there's something physical in your body, we believe that God heals. And so we would love to pray for you as well. So if there's something physical or something else I didn't mention around power and God empowering you, we would love to pray for you over the course of the next song. We have Patrick. Um, we have a few people on our prayer team that as you start to pop forward, they will also come forward and pray for you. So let's worship one more time together.